everybody and welcome back to Like-Minded Podcast. Uh, my name is Caitlin Bradley. I'll be your co-host along with Bob Towers. Hello, Bob. Hello, everybody. Um, Caitlin, I love these podcasts because we just get to talk about, not only do we talk about performing art, but we talk about your life and your kind of, um, your hobbies and stuff. So, <laughs> let, you know, let, let's get that out of the way first. Okay, go on. What are you going to abuse me with today? I just want to know what, what's been happening in the wacky world of Caitlin Bradley. <laughs> oh, well, to be honest, um, not a lot. However, we, when we're recording this video, we have got a new moon today. So new moon vibes, everybody. Yes, yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> big, you're big on the moon, if, if I can moon, say that. Yeah. Spiritual. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, yeah. <laughs> How are you, Bob? Well, you know, I've... I've you know, I live quietly and unfashionably, mm, and I've sure. just been sitting here listening to me Leonard Cohen records <laughs> and crying into a Sauvignon Blanc, so that's my <laughs> sad, lonely life. Okay, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk to our guest today. Um, today we have got Zara Marie Brown, who is a director from Liverpool. Hi Zara, how are you? Hi, I'm very well, thank you, and yourself? I'm very well, thank you. It's lovely to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Zara, um, we, we're just so excited to, um, to to have you on this and talk about the range of the, you know, so many things you've been involved in. And yeah, yeah. So I, I'm really looking forward to our chat today. Oh, thank you. No, um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to talk about everything I've done. Geez, how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So, should we just start you off with what made you get into theatre? Have you always been in theatre? Uh, no, not always. Um, when I was a kid, I knew I loved being creative, but it took me years to find out something I was actually good at. And it wasn't until I was, I'm going to say 13, 14, when I was in high school. Like, I went to a performing arts high school and discovered, mm. like, my love of drama and just become obsessed. And <laughs> all my grades definitely plummeted after that. But That's yeah, right. I really I started off as an actress. And yeah. uh, it wasn't until after I graduated college, um, I met, the, funnily enough, I met this guy who we were just talking about our love of, like, theatre and Oscar Wilde on this like night out and he mentioned oh I'd love to set up my own theatre company I'm like oh me too <laughs> and before we knew it um yeah within a couple of weeks we had like started to write a script and uh, creating a show together which was like completely out of the blue and now like he's one of my best friends and that was our very first show which was the picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde that we wow, adapted yeah. and put on in the actor's studio which was the old theatre that Pauline Daniels used to run. Amazing wow so what what point was it that you wanted to direct then? Honestly it was that show um, I'd never yeah. directed before ever and um, but I knew I just wanted to make theatre like uh, particularly because I wanted to write myself good parts <laughs> that was like honestly the main reason uh, but like falling in love with even like the producing and like the stage managing side of things I'm like wow I really enjoy like the backstage sort of stuff yeah. so yeah that was my very first taste of it and then after three years of doing that um he went off to uni and I started freelancing for other theatre companies as a director mm. producer a little bit of stage managing a bit of teaching 
honestly everything I can get my hands on these cool. related <laughs> yeah why not why not and is that theatre company Decima Theatre well it started off as script in hand productions and then okay. it evolved into Decima Theatre oh amazing I did yeah. not know that <laughs> yeah learn something new every day <laughs> when you when you said um the, your first kind of big production of um you know finding someone who likes the same thing as you and you went for oscar wilde and dorian gray tell yeah. me why, why it was that tell me why, why that was the motivation and the drive honestly i i just find oscar wilde really fascinating and like again he's yeah. mostly a playwright but his novel uh the picture of dorian gray it's his only novel that he's ever written and I just, I, I, I'm just obsessed with the idea of, uh, back then I was just obsessed with the idea of you give your soul to a painting and therefore your face stays exactly the same, but the more evil stuff you do, like the picture becomes more decrepit. And yeah, I just yeah. thought that was what, be such a visually interesting idea to do on stage. So even though like we, we both of us had seen like productions of it before, but we decided to have the picture and Dorian as two separate people and used a lot of physical theater to show the more decrepit side of things. Like we, we both have a, we love dark theater, black yeah, comedies yeah, and yeah. things like that. So yeah, we just, we both just love the story. We thought, wouldn't it be great to see the type of theater we would love to make? It's wonderfully yeah. dark, but it's wonderfully kind of classic as well. And I wonder what, what you're kind of thinking is on whether we do new stuff, whether we create new stuff that's contemporary and whatever, or whether we present kind of classics like that on, on stage and bring them to new audiences. What, what's your views on that? I think it's both. Like, don't get me wrong. I, do, I think when you take on something that's so well known, you've got to add your own twist to it and mm. not for just any old reason. I have seen shows where people just say, oh, we will change this character to a female, but there's no real purpose behind yeah. it, which yeah. I'm just not a fan of. Yeah. It's like, it, as a director, it's your job to know the reason why you're telling this version of the story. What's the purpose? What do you want the audience to take away from this? So I I personally love doing reimaginings and adaptations of classics for yes. absolutely create new and exciting theatre, particularly if you you you'll, particularly if you've got an idea of a story you want to tell but you've not seen a play that is like what tells it the same way you want to, definitely go out there and create your own. Like absolutely. I personally don't think I'm the best writer in the world, so that's why I like working with other new writers who are more skilled than I am. But I just do, I just love getting the script, editing it, talking to the actors about it, creating characters and yeah, just telling stories in a new way. Yeah. We love editing scripts, don't we, Zara? <laughs> oh, I swear to God, like I, I, I let me tell you how uh, me and Caitlin met first. Uh, we met during like a little uh, short film back in the January, I think it was, called Presence with uh, DLM Media. And she was talking about this show, One Sided Love, but she was new to directing. And I was talking about my experience and she asked me to come on board. And I got the script and I loved it. But my God, Chris, he's a great writer, but he's so wordy. Like the scripts <laughs> went on so long. And I was like, right, please don't let him hate me, but I am going to edit it down to get to the point. <laughs> yeah well like this like it was such a good story and I loved working with the whole team but I, I do have a habit of editing scripts but that's the lovely thing Caitlin, about um, directors is that 
you are somewhere in between the actors and the writer because it, it's nice that you, you also write and you also act as, as well. But it's that kind of crucial role of the director who takes what the, um, what, what the writer has done and has some kind of vision of it to get it on stage and then gets the actors to deliver that. And, and that's, that's it, you know, that, that's an incredible thing to pull together. Absolutely. It's about seeing the bigger picture. One, having the vision that you have in your head of what you want to see on stage, mm -hmm. but also mm -hmm. having that good relationship with the writer if the, it's a new writer and you're working together. Making sure the actors feel safe enough to trust you in the weird decisions that you will make mm -hmm. and just bring it all together with all the problems that like come into it because every single show, there is going to be issues. It's basically being a professional problem solver to make sure the show happens in the best way. Yeah. So what advice would you give to people that are starting out in directing? What what would you say? Ooh, good question. One, don't be scared. Trust your instincts and believe that things will go wrong. They just will. It's your job to try and be as organized as possible, to try and come up with contingency plans if things do go awry. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Ask for like friends through like fellow colleagues. Like if you're if you're missing a prop and you can't find it online anywhere, ask your friend. Yeah. If this has happened to me, day of show, an actor oh, drops out. <laughs> 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 Try and find an actor in the space of eight hours. Do it because people at the end of the day, we, we all love this industry for a reason. We love theater and one of the most heartbreaking things is after cancel the show one of the famous phrases is the show must go on mm -hmm. and people are willing yeah. to help you out don't be don't be, don't feel the shame of oh god i don't want to oh god things are going wrong i should just quit altogether don't do that be brave ask for help when need to and that's the only way you're going to learn you've got to try and you'll be surprised to yourself what you're willing to accomplish amazing amazing <laughs> i love that it, it's great advice and um, what, what I want to probe further um, then Zara is what what productions are you most proud of do you look back on and go do you know what that that was I'm so proud to have been involved in that what what are they wow I have so many for so many different reasons because I, I, honestly I'm quite blessed I learn something new on every show I do mm -hmm. yeah obviously um Dorian Gray that I've done twice now I've uh, I love them both one because one was my first show and knowing what I was capable of and the mm -hmm. second one was seeing that that so many years difference of how I've evolved as a director since right. then right. I love that to even one-sided love like it, like working with you as like because other than Joe, my partner in my theatre company, I've never worked with another co-director before. So seeing how we were able to collaborate together and yeah. come up with both ideas as someone like I was a bit more experienced, whereas you knew it, but how that didn't affect our relationship at all, but we still managed to create something beautiful to yeah. even even working on other shows is not even directing at all like um, you guys had on um, Sarah Van Paris and Nancy I was the stage manager for the nether and yeah. watching other theatre companies create something and just being part of that in a small way and how different people work uh, yeah I, I love what I do I really yeah. <laughs> in fairness if you've worked with Caitlin you can work with anybody <laughs> 
don't be cruel. Oh, Caitlin's no, brilliant. No. <laughs> well, no, Thank but, but picking up from that, because uh, it's, you know, it's lovely having that, that kind of track record and the, the kind of memories to look back on. But we were chatting, but just before we started recording about the future now and theatre post-pandemic, yeah. What, what are your ideas and views for how theatre is going to be developed? Because we always have this horrible phrase of the new normal, which means no going back to how it was. What, what, what's your ideas where theatre can go now? Good question. Um, theatre, because we all love it so much, it will adapt. Don't get me wrong, like these Zoom uh, shows that have been coming out, like they've been interesting, but it's been to fill the void. Like theatre is immediate. Theatre needs to be live for me. I think it's just the most rewarding part of a show. So what I think will be like, I think instead of more traditional theatre shows, I reckon we'll get a few more immersive shows. What I mentioned before, I worked for a company called Hope Street Limited, who, whose company philosophy was all about theatre and unusual spaces. We went from performing in the Liverpool Tate uh, to performing in over 25 different venues and audiences mm -hmm. go around to different locations. That could be done in a socially distanced way. And it'll be really interesting how theatre companies will adapt. But I really do hope we can eventually go back to our traditional way of theatre because there's nothing better than sitting in an auditorium next to everyone about to watch like magic going on stage. I just hope we can get to that point. Otherwise we'll lose a lot of theaters that we love. And yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a sad day, but I don't think it will. Theater will thrive. Even when theater was illegal, we come back fighting. Yeah. That was the last time theater stopped was when it was made illegal by, um, was it Oliver Cromwell? Was it one of the, kings or queens i'm not too sure but at one point theater was banned it it, it does answer like something cromwell would do yeah. um, <laughs> but, but don't tell boris johnson that because he's in my room oh, with no. that idea yeah yeah apparently he's a big fan of theater i've seen him in an interview and i was like hmm, really support a small not <laughs> like he gave like funding to theaters of course but he's not really helping out the freelancers and freelancers make theater like i think yeah. it's like 80 percent of theater workers are freelance mm -hmm. so that and, and that's the big thing about uh, performance um, artists. So many of them are freelancers. Not only the, um, the 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 actors, but everyone behind the scenes as well. So that that's why this is such a a, a, a kind of an attack on on the on the whole industry, really. Yeah, it really is. And I'm sure, like, I don't know about you guys, but it must affect everyone's mental health at this point, like not having yeah. that creative outlet. Like, for me, I'm such a social creature. One of my favorite things is about like collaborating with other people yeah. and not having that same, like trying to be creative on your own is for me, it's just not the same. And it's just so sad. And I'm really worried of how, particularly kids, how anxious they're going to feel when yeah. we do come out of this in the new normal of being afraid to hug people or being afraid to being within two meters yeah. in case of catching the virus. We can't let fear control our lives. We just can't. We need no. to find a way to move on and live with it and to live courageously. But I think also the effects of the, um, the virus and the pandemic will be we'll have more plays and more work about mental health and how it affects yeah. people and how people respond to those things. So we're facing a mental health crisis in, in, in this country. And I think that will be reflected soon in, in arts. 
Yeah, absolutely. It'll be really interesting to see the type of shows that will come out of this. Like writers, writers work alone. They love uh, being in their mm. own world. And it'll be really interesting to see how being trapped on their own for so long will create shows about mental health, about the pandemic, or even just an escapism. Because let's be honest, we've like binged all of Netflix and Amazon Prime <laughs> throughout this <laughs> yeah. pandemic. How like that will influence and be like, right, I don't want to do anything about the pandemic. Let's create entertainment. It, it will be really interesting. And I'm like, so excited to see what people make. It is because I think this can go two ways. One, that people can go to complete escapism. So they look at kind of science, science fantasy and all this kind of stuff. Or they go to realism where we look in detail at what's happening in people's lives. And hopefully theatre will, will reflect uh, both those things, I, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Theatre, like all art, reflects life in one way or another. Mm -hmm. It's the closest way to see the human condition in one way or another. And it's it's even though this time is really sad that we can't see theater the way we usually can but it'll, I, I can't wait to see the rebirth of it to yeah. see what people make I, I just hope people like my fear is the audience like even before like the first lockdown hit people were going to theater less and less because people were seeing things on the news of how scary this virus is going to be and what's yeah. happening in china i'm worried that when lockdown eventually gets lifted i feel like i've been saying this a lot when lockdown eventually gets lifted i hope people aren't scared to actually go because life's about experiences i've missed concerts i've missed going out to dinner with mm -hmm. friends i've missed mm -hmm. theater and yeah i i just hope it won't stop audiences coming to theater because that'll no, be a sad no. that'll be sad and, yeah and th that is our challenge when 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 it comes back yeah um let's talk about the immediate future for you then and tell us what what's 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 ahead for um what's ahead for zara <laughs> Okay, well, all the projects that I had to cancel for 2020 will probably coming up in 2021 at some point, again, depending when theatres are open again. I've got um, Dr. James Barry. Um, that's a play about the very first doctor who um, did a performed a successful cesarean section where both the mother and baby lived. But this was back oh. in the 1800s where oh. being a woman doctor was illegal. So she pretended to be a man her entire life. Really? That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I've been working on that during lockdown with the writers. I'm really excited to get that up, up and running. Mm. Um, to show, like I've been working with, uh, before all this, we, I had a show with uh, the Lantern writers, so with uh, The Man on the Mountain, with Lou Freeburn, who was um, in One-Sided yeah, yeah. Love. Yeah. So it'll be good to work on that. As well as, I'm not going to go into detail, but I've been looking at things outside of theatre, outside of directing, I should say, for how I can be involved in theatre and other aspects. So hopefully once, once COVID has ceased to be a fear in our lives, I, I hope I'll be able to bring on this brand new project. And I hope you guys will have me back on so I can actually talk about it properly. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, and I just think that that's that's a boss idea. And I can't wait to, to see that come to fruition. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I know we can't talk about some things because, <laughs> it, it, you know, still in the planning stages, but that that's just really exciting, Zara. Thank you. 
Yeah. And I just want to say congratulations to you guys. You've managed to be able to have a creative outlet on during lockdown to be able to speak to other creatives. I just think it, it just well done to you guys. Honestly, I've really been enjoying listening to all the podcast interviews and I'm so privileged to be on. So thank you. You know, that, that's what we want to do to promote uh, local performing art. Um, and you know every aspect of, of performing art um, but secondly um, for Caitlin it is an alternative to prison here coming here so you know <laughs> we, we are doing our bit for to keeping people safe so thank you. wow you were brutal Bob Towers <laughs> you love to wind her up jeez <laughs> it's getting worse I think I need to go to rehab now <laughs> some therapy right. new dear jeez <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> oh. Now, Caitlin, at this point, you need to say thanks very much for coming oh. along. And, uh... <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming <laughs> along. Um, it was a pleasure to have you on our podcast, and we can't wait to work with you again in the future, um, yeah. whenever that may be absolutely I'm really excited to do a, any sort of project again with like-minded again because it was such a fun process like you guys like know how to create a really welcoming environment for newbies so yeah thank you so much for having me on and yeah hopefully we'll be able to see each other in person soon <laughs> and I think when when this comes out kind of a uh, December-ish um, we may be able to put whatever links you, you've got going on at the time there. Um, oh, but if, even if that isn't available in, in December, we will definitely do it when uh, when it starts up, um, Zara. So definitely keep us in the loop there. Um, and um, we, what we've talked about in the second series as, as well, because um, this is the last episode of this series, is... Um, to go out more and to, to visit people in the second series. So it would nice be nice to kind of visit you when you're doing a production or, or something and, and, you know, do it live because we've got loads of plans of where to take this podcast. Absolutely. That would be so great, especially as like a group having like actors together talking about like an up and coming project. Like it'll be really nice. It'll be interesting to see where this podcast goes. I'm excited for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're having a good think about uh, season two. Yeah. Thank Brilliant. you so much again, Zara. Not a problem. Thank you um, for having me. And yeah, see you soon. Yeah, Bye. and we'll, we'll send you the stuff when, uh, when when it's coming out, you know, all, all the promo stuff. We'll, we'll send you the social media links to it and, and whatever, yeah. Brilliant. Thank you very much, guys. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye now. Bye. 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 Right, everyone. This is the uh, second guest of the podcast, of this episode of the podcast. Um, I'm dead excited because we've got an, an old mate of mine um, from the poetry circle, Jerry Clarkson. Um, Jerry, welcome, welcome. Hello. <laughs> thanks for uh, Jerry, thank, thanks very much for, um, for, for coming along because, um, you know, on this podcast, we have people from the performing arts um, sector in, in Merseyside and, and the Northwest and beyond. So we've had kind of filmmakers, we've had directors, actors, um, all, all to do uh, largely with, with filmmaking or theatre. But yep. I wanted to get on someone who is um, a spoken word poet um, because there is a big scene, a big uh, spoken word scene in, in Liverpool. And um, and you're part of that. So mm -hmm. 
I want you to to begin by telling us um, how you got into to poetry. What what was your own experience? Um, poetry to me was just an expression, a way to express myself. That allowed me to put things down that I mightn't already say in conversation, or I would struggle to get across in conversation. Mm. Sitting at home as a lone parent, feeling isolated, it gave me that avenue to just yeah. release. Um, and as I say, um, I reached a certain age where I thought I would love to go outside out and do this as a performance piece. Really? So, yeah. I took that chance about three years ago and I seem to have found a little footing in there which seems to have sort of gathered pace. And I feel like now I've become part of the community with that and the Liverpool poetry scene. Definitely. And I think there's something different about kind of written poetry that you would read in a book mm -hmm. and poetry that you would hear and perform. So, for example, you know, I, I write poetry, but I never want anyone to read it because it wouldn't make any sense. Mm. It has to be attached to a performance. Yeah. Um, that's something with, with your poetry. So how much is the performance part of, 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 of the poem now? It, well, I used, as I said, initially writing, it was page poetry. Mm. But when it first came out, I adapted one poem to a performance. Mm. And since then, I predominantly write for performance. So I'm not writing something and looking at it on the page. I'm writing it and I'm verbalising it to see mm -hmm. how it flows as an audio piece rather than yeah. just a piece of text. Yeah. And I would argue that my poetry now is more written for performance. Yeah. I write for performance. As you said, some people will say, make it look pretty on a page. Mm. I don't think mine would look pretty on a page. No. It no. looks like a large essay. And may be a little bit dry. However, as a performance with the emotive inflections in it, that's where it works. Yeah. But what was inspiring you to to cover the issues that you cover in in your poems? Because you don't like write poetry about bloody trees and lakes and, and that. <laughs> you know, yours is very, if, if I might say so, kind of urban uh, poetry, and it's very much about your personal experience. So, yeah. how how do you get inspired for for that? Um, do you know, someone asked me this the other day, it's where I am at that moment in time. Mm. Mm. Now, we, I've done a poem about being on benefits, mm. um, and that was not long after I'd come off benefits. And it was just looking back and reflecting, thank God, I found myself at the avenue of uh, employment. Yeah. And the experience I'd been through, it was so frustrating. And I recognise that frustration that I see in a lot of other people's claiming benefits. Yeah. And so I wrote a poem about it with trying to offer an experience of how I negotiated it. Yeah. Um, and I, I th when I introduced the poem, I mentioned there's a film called I, Daniel Blake. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that's part of what inspired the poem as well. And the reason why is because when I watched the film, there was nobody had any victories on the benefit system. It crushed everybody. Yeah. And all I wanted was someone to show them having one little victory in a system that can be so crushing. Because if there's no victories, there's no hope. You basically, if you're on benefits, you might as well give up. That's what I got from the film. I found it very depressing. 
So the poem I wrote was more about how I challenged the system, not by breaking any rules, but by applying the rules to my benefit. And so that's where that poem come from. And I do make the point in it that I'm not here to excuse why I'm claiming benefits. Mm. Uh, I'm not here to judge anyone whether they're claiming mm. them, even though they're not fully entitled to it, because I see a lot of people on benefits and I've seen people working on the side, working the system, but mm. all they're doing is just trying to keep their head above water. Yeah. And when we see this whole thing about the benefit system and the detriment it has to our society, we are taking out of the system. And I look around us and I see, well, like the track and trace system. Yeah. Someone's taking £70 a week out of the system. Well, someone else is taking £12 billion for a spreadsheet. Yes. How do you morally judge someone for £70 a week when you're allowing something else go on? So this is one of the reasons that inspired that one. Well, I, that's interesting because when you say you you began writing for for your own sake, really, mm-hmm. um, so you're writing poems which no one was was reading because it was cathartic for you, kind of at, at the end of the day. But then, when you take that to a, to an open mic night and you start saying um, your experience, you hear people kind of laughing along and and stuff. So you know that it is a common connection that you have with yes. with, with people. Um, and the other thing about it is that you don't shy away from uh, controversial issues and saying the um, saying it as you see it. Um, and how do you think that kind of discourse is playing out at, at the moment? Because we, we were having a, a, a chat before we started recording about how the conversation is being polarised or politics mm-hmm. is being polarised at the moment. What, what's your view on, on all of that? Um, you said it at the beginning then, um, I'll mind write things that are controversial. Mm. However, I mentioned the poem. Um, the poem's called Gorilla Lips, which comes after my um, persona. Yeah. Um, and the opening line to that poem is, with gorilla lips I will create controversy by planting some verbal IEDs. And every time I write a poem, and I think, oh, that's a little bit controversial. <laughs> I go back to that poem and that opening line, and I yeah. think, hmm, I can never do that poem again if I don't put this in, because I'm not yeah. being true to self. Yes. Yeah, so I can't do that. And when you say about um, a response from the audience, I mean, in a couple of poems, I've got little riders in them, i.e. Um, I'm not here to say I know what's best. I'm just expressing something I need to get off my chest. Mm. So yeah. that's, I'm not saying I've got the exclusive answer to everything, but when I say something that takes it out of the normal discourse that I'm seeing around me, it's me trying to bring the, the, the discourse, the debate onto another yeah. area that I think is yeah. being missed. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do. And one of the most beautiful things about it all, and I'd like to say this is an all art, is... When I get a response from the audience who like gets me, understands it, mm. is enlightened, oh, I'd never heard it from that perspective. That's really interesting. To me, that is what art is about. I've got to evoke something in the audience, a reaction, a re- emotion. Yeah. But also that reaction from the audience validates me. So 
I may validate an audience member who gets what I'm saying, but then when they respond to me to say they understand it, and I've confirmed their sort of cognitive thinking, mm -hmm. they're also validating me. Because yeah. I'm yeah, most of the time when I get up to perform, I'm hoping the audience gets me. And I'm sure yeah. that I'm not the only poet who has that concern. Absolutely. Mm. And, and it's that kind of, um, you know, recognition that, we, you know, when, when I hear you uh, perform poems, you will say something and I will go, oh, yeah, I, I know what he's saying, but I wouldn't say it that way myself, but I'm glad he said it, you know. Um, yeah. That's a lovely thing where you link with the audience at that point and say, yes, he, he said what I thought. And that, that's just a lovely thing to see in performance poetry. Yeah. But whether it's controversial or not, people are going to talk about it. So whether they like it or they dislike it, you've created that conversation between yeah. people, yeah. between the audience members. So it's getting yeah. them involved. Yeah. And if they disagree with me, I'd like to think they can disagree with me in a um, safe environment to discuss. Yes. But the debate has opened up to discuss that area. And that to me again is important. As I said, I may not have the exclusive answers, but I have a perspective. Yeah. And if I open up my perspective, which then initiates someone else to talk about a subject, then we are now moving the debate forward. As you said before, politics has become polarized. Mm. And if we can come together and debate something without falling out, I think that's progress. Um, in terms of um, wh where you're going then, uh, where, where you see um, your poetry going and performance poetry going generally, what, what are your thoughts on that, Jerry? Um, really, uh, I'm still negotiating my own path. Um, opportunities mm. are growing the more I do it. Um, obviously, there's different platforms. I mean... I've been involved with a couple of organisations, the likes of Blackfest, a um, little bit with the lovely word. There's a group called the Unusual Arts Sourcing Company. And these are so different groups. Um, you know, one's about the arts. One really wants to do sort of pushing sort of wider politics, uh, issues yeah. of gender, especially with the Unusual Arts. I see a lot of that. And yeah. then Blackfest is obviously one which is very much about identity. Yeah. One of the concerns is I don't want to be pigeonholed. Yeah. 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 Because to me, um, whatever I write, and I'm talking about this, whether it's identity um, being black and of mixed uh, ancestry, mm. or whether it's a gender issue, is I can still write something. And now I have this quote I've brought to myself um, if Wordsworth can write about clouds, then I can write about stars, and I'm mm. still a black poet. I love that. Yeah, the fact that I wrote it and it comes from a personal experience, whether that experience is born out of gender, race, ethnicity, it's still a personal experience. So yeah. it's still a black poem. It's still a man's poem. Yes. You know? yeah. So I don't want to be pigeonholed. I'd like. I like to be able to. I don't know whether you've seen it. Um, I try not to do two poems the same. Mm. Yeah, I've, got I've noticed poem. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will jump from doing a poem about politics to doing a poem about stars to doing a poem about gender. Yeah. 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 You know? 
And I think we, we should say here as well, um, if, if people haven't heard uh, Jerry's stuff, um, you've got your own YouTube channel. Um, and, and, and it's with the name uh, Gorilla Lips. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us about the origins of that and how you, uh, do you use it as a kind of per, um, persona on stage? Does that help? To, to, tell us yeah. the background, please. I think you've got that, Bob. It's, as I said, um, I wrote a lot of poems at home. Now, I grew up on a council estate, one of very few black families, mm. and I was given this ch- name as a child growing up. Part affection. Do you know the way children are cruel to each other? And we gave yeah, each yeah. other the worst names. But also, it had a racial slur to it, and it was gorilla mm. lips. Mm. And it became a burden to me. It became a sort of a suppressant. I was shy. And then it was in my mid-late 40s. I just looked at the name Gorilla Lips and changed the spelling of the word gorilla into G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A. So from the ape to the urban fighter. Mm. And in doing that, it actually become, lifted the weight that it had carried. And then it became this platform for me. Um, And it allowed me to say the things I'd never said before um, in a very succinct way. and so in doing that, it then it gave me this avenue, this confidence to express. As, as I said, um, guerrilla means to do something without the need of authority or permission, like in guerrilla marketing. Mm. And so guerrilla lips is to speak without the need of permission or authority. So it's that yeah. freedom of your voice now. I love that. <laughs> Well, and no matter what you do, like you were saying, you do different from talking about stars to mm-hmm. talking about the way you say fuck off the poem, yes. um, <laughs> which is my favourite one. It is. <laughs> the passion that you have when you talk is just, honestly, we're sitting beaming. I know people can't see it, but we are. There's so much passion. And I think that's what it boils down to. And that's what we say at Like Minded Productions. It's passion overcomes everything. And Jerry, the passion you've got, no matter what you talk about, if you're passionate about it, it yeah. it beams and yeah. that speaks more than anything, I think. Yeah. I think if I didn't have that passion, the poems wouldn't deliver, but I don't think I'd be I'd be incongruent to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be being true to myself. I don't want to write a poem because that's the topic of today. So let's yeah. fit in with what yeah. the trend of the day is. I try and write a poem that actually challenges that trend or moves it on. And I've got an example of that when I've done a poem about Black History Month. Mm. And as lovely as it is to show examples of sort of iconic images that help us feel part of something and inclusive, I had some sort of concerns with it. And I put it in a poem and I know it may have caused a few eyebrows raising, but to me, it's a really lovely unifying poem. The poem is about our human story and black history being part of a history that we all possess. Yes. So it's not exclusive for a black audience. Mm. It's also yeah. any audience. If we're talking about people from Asia, from the Americas, European, if we look at history and um human history came out of Africa, then black mm. history is part of our all our history then. Mm. And so yeah. that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to see black history as this separate bubble. I wanted black history to be part of a human story that we can all share. Yeah. 
yeah. and in a way bring us closer together. I, I, I love that because it is kind of human empathy and that kind of human story. And I think um, your poems kind of um, inspire people and they kind of move them as well. And that's what we want poetry to do. You know, poetry isn't just, here's a smart line, isn't that interesting? But yours kind of come from the heart and that's, that's all a, a, a about the performance of it as well. Yeah, I think the performance is equally as important. Um, mm. I've got poems that I could put into page and you'd read them, you would understand the concept I'm putting across, but you wouldn't fully understand the passion, as you say, yeah. the emotion yeah. within it. Yeah. And that comes from the performance. All right, then. Um, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. So oh, I'm I so excited. To, to finish with um, a, a, a poem, you can choose what, whatever topic um, you, you want. So um, in your own time, let, let's do this. Right. Right. My initial poem, Gorilla Lips, the first poem that actually got me out onto the poetry scene. Great. And the poem first was inspired by the idea, a quote, the first casualty of war is the truth. And I paused and thought, no, because once we lose the truth, that's when we go to war. So the truth is lost before oh, the conflict begins. Mm. And we must fight for that truth. Now, that's one inspiration behind it. As I said, it's that me being able to express my truth, the angst inside me. Mm. And sometimes in a world where we're struggling to sort of find our individual expression, we're forced to conform and we don't mm. always express ourselves honestly. So this is Gorilla Lips, the battle for the truth or the angst inside us all. <laughs> <laughs> With Gorilla Lips, I'll create controversy by planting some verbal IEDs or like stealth jets dropping smart guided bombs. I'll be to the point and deliver with a plan. I'll be an intercontinental heat seeker, uncompromising, eloquent, a straight speaker, focused on our missions with the truth as our goal. Let's get on with some facts and we can let them roll off our tongues and into some minds. We can shoot with veracity on our side and it may fatally wound your patterns of thought and a battle for some sanity may need to be fought. You'll have cognitive casualties, a barrage of flack and struggles to recover, a mind bomb attack. It's a burning truth that needs to be said and it's blowing up the myths in our heads and it's raising this deluded consciousness. Let's light fires like arsonists and light up the spirits of free-thinking people. Let's be that sniper in the steeple and let's be that gunman on the grassy knoll. We could be high-powered rifles and get ready to unload. We'll get the seat and double speak in our crosswires. Let reality trigger. We'll spark a rain of fire and we'll scorch the earth of its mendacity. Let's be shockwaves of authenticity and let's be WMDs of a lyrical kind and lay down facts that can make like lethal landmines and if the truth is a crime I'm gonna have my say let them ship me out to the Hague or Guantanamo Bay and try me for war crimes and genocide I'll plead guilty to the massacre of bullshit and lies by just saying what I see without censorship and the brutal honesty of these gorilla lips yeah. oh, man. <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> oh mate oh. that's excellent Caitlin, what, what a way to close our fair series. I know. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thank you, so much. Jerry. Thank you for the opportunity.
I've, no, no, it's us that are thanking you, mate. So if people want to um, um, find Jerry's work, um, have a look on, uh, you, is YouTube still the, the, the best place? Uh, me, there's more up now on my Facebook page. Okay. It's under the same name, Gorilla Lips. Okay. So Gorilla Lips, um, Facebook, Gorilla Lips, uh, YouTube, you, you'll find yeah. Jerry there. Jerry, keep on doing what you're doing, and, and thanks very much for coming on the show. Can I just throw a plug in there, Bob? Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I've got a um, performance on Zoom, which will be streamed on Facebook Tuesday evening, called Rise. And I, you, you know, that's fine, but by the time we put this out, it's going to be December, mate. So it, well, it, we it, will it. share it on our Like Minded Productions Facebook. Yeah. Tuesday, oh, what time? Um, 6.30. Brilliant. We'll be oh, watching it. I did do one in November on Facebook. And if you've all missed it, check my uh, page out. It's there. They are still there on, online, aren't they? Uh, so yes. Yeah. Thanks very much. Um, Kate, Caitlin, it's, um, it's up for me and you to close the show now. And <laughs> you know we always finish the show with, what are you doing? What am I doing? Probably a Zoom pub quiz tonight with a lot of alcohol because I'm off tomorrow. <laughs> you, you see how sad our lives are when <laughs> now that, that we, you know, we look forward to a kind of online Zoom quiz. It's just sad. Um, it is sad. But what are you doing tonight, Bob? Well, I'll, I'll be tidying out my sock drawer. Um, <laughs> that, that's, that's how exciting my life gets. Putting your shirts in colour coordinated order. <laughs> oh, you do know me so well. Um, so, Jerry, thanks very much. And everyone, thanks very much for listening to the show. Thank if you've you. got any comments about the show and you've got ideas for the, uh, the show, contact us at likemindedproduction.co.uk. Um, and we'll see you all again for the second series. Thank you. Uh, take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye.